I'm Adrian Manns. I am going to be going through the use of intermarket analysis that I use to time futures trading using ETFs as my timing mechanism. So I'm trading both the futures and uh, the, the ETF directly. I also trade stocks, as most of you know. Been around this business for a very, very long time. That is Julie and me. So there we are. We're a trading team at TraderInsight.com, and we've been trading together since graduate school back in 1997. So Julie and I started off what was a very mathematically disposed kind of a trading business. So when I say that, what I mean is we focused almost entirely on trading data that we were able to acquire from the New York Stock Exchange. We were working on PhDs and on master's degrees. I have an MBA in international business and finance and a PhD in organizational behavior. Julie has uh, a master's degree in public policy and a PhD in social psychology. And what it's done for us over the years is enabled us to approach the markets from a different vantage point than most people would approach them from. We've taken big multivariate statistical models and wrapped them into a psychological discipline of sort of behavioral finance and what it is that we expect the markets to do each and every day. So you've got the mathematical models, you've got the behavioral finance stuff, and when you put it all together, what you get is something that is data-based, data-driven, and then at the same time allows for some uh, objective decision-making and some on-the-fly decision-making. We still have a good relationship with NYSE. We get down there as much as we can, not as much as we did back then, obviously. We are out in California, so we are as far west as human beings can possibly be without taking a dunk in the ocean. We are in Pacific Palisades, right by uh, Malibu, California here, and it's early for us in the morning when the markets open. So a big driving force in everything that we've always done has been to make sure that we know ahead of time what it is that we're gonna do in the morning. So those of you who are familiar with what we do, you know that we've got trading plans that revolve around lots of automated stuff, lots and lots of putting things out there and letting them take care of themselves, as opposed to doing a lot of decision-making at 6.30 in the morning. And then we also have some fairly deep dive technical stuff that we do once the first hour, hour and a half of trading are over with, where we get in there and start analyzing what's happening in the markets and then how we're gonna be able to capitalize on what's happening in the QQQs and the NQ on any given day. And really that's, that's what I'm gonna to talk to you about right now. So today's session is a little different than stuff that we've done in the past. In the past, I focus strictly on the technical stuff. I'll take you through sort of the logic of the things that I've done and the things that I uh, focus my discipline on. But today is going to be really revolving around this idea of you can make a pretty good living just trading one instrument. And in our case, it's the, the Qs and the NQ mostly. A lot of people try the, the ES and the Spider. That's, that's sort of the same kind of a thing. Qs are gonna be a little bit more volatile and that's, that's where we're able to use some of the volatility models that we've had over the years you know, to capitalize on what we think it is that is gonna happen in the market, whether it's a reversion uh, to the mean in volatility or whether it's uh, an expansion of volatility, expansion of range, expansion of volume, all that good stuff that we've talked about live at the trade shows, the traders expos, the money shows, the Chicago show, the, the show in Milan, right? We do a lot of traveling and the traveling, I'm gonna say, this is the biggest part of why we focus on doing the trader education stuff that we do. And we love to be on the road. We love to go, we love to travel. That's us in New York with our son, Connor. Z's always a ham. And he is sitting up on the, on the bull there on Wall Street. And, you know, we've managed to take this show on the road and take our business on the road because we've been flexible enough to structure trading in a way that we don't have to be glued to the machine all day, every day. And I think this is important, right? Having the, having the ability to go and assess your own psychology and figure out what it is that makes you tick and what it is that's going to that's gonna foster your success and keep your head in the game these are things that you're not going to get from any kind of strategy session or from any kind of book that you're ever going to read. These are things you have to figure out for yourself. And for those of you who are 
uh, fans of television shows about the market, it's actually coming for the 2024 season. We are doing a show about trader psychology. So it's a deep dive into what it is that makes people tick. It's a look at, it's called Trader Nation. And we've done, before the writer's strike, we did some shows. And of course the writer's strike and the actor strike and everything have thrown a big time wrench in this whole thing. So I'm hoping that it's still gonna be something that is on deck for 2024. We're gonna see what the good folks at Scripps think about bringing the show back. But the focus is really on looking at individual psychology and the way that individual psychology affects the way that people uh, implement market strategy. And what you're gonna find is that the war room is right there between your ears. You're always gonna have the biggest challenge is gonna come from you and the only one who can facilitate you getting through those challenges is you. And that's really what the show's about. So the first show was about gamblers and it's a couple of guys who are successful boot camp alumni of ours. Um, and they managed to overcome a lot of the, the pitfalls of gambling and have managed to then prosper in the, in the world of trading. I've also written a lot of things for magazines and journals, as you can imagine. I am data-driven and we are definitely both uh, focused on our background in psychology and our background as, you know, we'd probably be university faculty members if we weren't doing this. We enjoy teaching and we enjoy writing. So there's a lot of things out there that we've done over the years that you can take a look at just sort of to see what it is about a strategy that makes it a good strategy versus what it is that makes something sort of a fad. And everything that I do to this very day is a product of that book on the left side around the horn, A Trader's Guide to Consistently Scoring in the Markets. That one was originally called A Multivariate Analysis of Covariance in the United States Equities Markets. Publisher said, I hope your mom's gonna buy a million copies of this because it's not gonna sell with that title. And we're big baseball fans, so I reconstructed the whole thing and did it around the metaphor of baseball. It's a really good analogy. It's a really good way of looking at the markets. And I'm gonna tell you that every single thing that we do to this day still goes back to the concepts that were developed in that book when we were in graduate school back in the late 90s. So I think if you have something that works and you have something that works with your psychology, obviously everything in all these books works with my psychology. I wrote them. So that's the definition of does it work with me? Does it work for me? Is these things were an outgrowth of the way that I think, of the way that I approach life, of the way that I approach the markets, and the way that I approach opportunity, and of course the way that I want to handle risk. And risk is a very, very big factor in just about everything that you do in trading, as you know, right? I'm not trying to tell you something you already know, but it's, it's something that people tend to ignore. I will have people say to us that, you know, they can go through this book and they can pick one of these patterns and that pattern, if it puts them in front of opportunities frequently, that's the one they wanna get their psychology wrapped around. And I tell them the book is about market cycles. Now the book's not in print right now, so don't go looking for it. Um, the book will be back out in 2024 as well. But the book is about the cyclicality of markets and the cyclicality of markets plays a very big role in what we're gonna talk about today. This stuff all comes from what we've been doing for the last 30 years. And I think that as we go through what I wanna to cover today, you're going to see whether or not this is something that is gonna resonate with you. Is this something that can make sense in the way that you approach your trading? Is it gonna give you uh, confidence? Is it gonna give you the courage of your convictions? Or is it gonna cause you a lot of stress? So whenever you're looking at anybody's strategies, that's I think the benchmark, the benchmark is can I do it? It's not, I will do it if it's profitable because I guarantee you, you won't. You can only do something if it fits you. You will not make it fit because it makes other people money. This is all about managing your risk, managing your tolerance for frustration, managing your, your propensity to gamble, managing your relationship with money. All this stuff has to be in your consciousness every single minute of every single day. What we found, so bootcamp is a thing that we do twice a year. We don't work with a lot of traders. We work with 20 people at each one of these live events. And it's, it's proven to be a really good experience for us. And it's a really good experience for them because it's small group learning. 
It is the ability to talk to a lot of people one-on-one, -on -one, get to know people's hangups, get to know where they shine, get to know where they have problems, figure out what it's going to be like to try and get somebody to a point that they're successful. And when you look at these challenges here, ask yourself, you know, how many of these things do you see in your own trading? So how often do you sit down and put together a trading plan and you've got everything set up ahead of time and then instead of pulling the trigger when it comes around to the entry price, you get up and you go make a cup of coffee or you get up and decide, you know, it's time to go for a walk or you do anything other than what you're supposed to what you're supposed to be doing. This is something I'll show you a picture of a of a boot camp in a in a minute here of the, the guy sitting around the table just to make this point. But this is really something that we run across quite a bit is that people have a hard time going and implementing a strategy and the reason they can't do that is because deploying it means getting into some really uncomfortable waters. So I had a guy who would always go and get a Mountain Dew if something was coming up on an entry price, I'd say, Steve, you know, there's a, there's a, a trade coming up because we work with uh, people online in, in a, a meeting, in a Zoom meeting in the mornings. And with him, it was even before then, it was, it was back when we were working with, oh geez, I can't even remember, it was like an Ojo or Oho or something that sat on the desk, right, where you, you were working one-on-one -on -one with somebody. And I would always know that we were coming up on an entry because it was time for him to go get a glass of water or a Mountain Dew. Mountain Dew was the big one, or he had to let the dog out. If you find yourself doing that, it's probably because there's a problem with the way that the strategy lines up with you. And you'll see people make very common mistakes. So you see people do things like let losing trades run. Losing trades are uncomfortable. It's just a fact of the matter. And you know, everybody's heard what you want to do is, is let your winners run, cut your losers short, and then everybody's familiar with this, this thing that happens to people sometimes. They let their losers run and they cut their winners short. So it's super comfortable to take a bunch of small wins because it just feels like you're always winning. So with these futures trades that I want to talk about in a bit here, I'll see it happen pretty regularly that people will take two contracts and peel it off every time they have $100 in the bank. They're peeling off their profit, peeling off their profit. And then when the trade turns around and goes against them, as they do quite frequently, you're going to get into the position and right out of the gate, the thing starts knocking against you, especially with the NQ. What you'll tend to see happen is five, six, seven, eight trades worth of gains get eaten up in one loss. And that's because taking losses the opposite. It feels bad. So, you know, feeling bad is, is obviously a bad thing. So feeling good is a good thing. And this is exactly where then people get, you know, get into trouble and they, they cut the winner short. They let the losers run. Um, I've also seen lots of times at the boot camps, we'll get to know these personalities and this idea of dollar cost averaging comes in. Now, all of a sudden they've got a losing position and rather than cutting it off, the response will be, well, no, I added to the position because it was coming down to another threshold level. And I thought I'm just going to go and buy double at that level. And then I'll take it off as soon as I get to zero. And then when it gets back to zero for them, then they're, well, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to leave money on the table. So I'm going to go ahead and, and I'm going to stick with it for a few more minutes and see if it comes back around. And before you know it, they're losing money again. So these things, if they look familiar to you at all, it's not because of any personal defect that you have. It's just because of the way that we're wired. And humans are, are very consistent in the way that all this stuff goes. My gamblers, morning profits, afternoon losses. Why do you suppose that happens? That is an artifact that's a byproduct of feeling like you're playing with house money. I've got a guy, I'll tell him all the time, you're not going to feel like it's house money once you lost it. You're going to feel really pretty bad about not following your discipline. And we've had sessions we'll talk for hours and try to figure out how he's going to get around this he's actually on the first show so if you happen to watch and see the pilot for trader nation you'll see a long discussion with him and you know what it took for him to get around doing just that he also took a lot of unplanned trades taking unplanned trades that's a function of you want to get even with the market revenge trading if you've ever heard that term is very very common with people they get in they get out for a loss and then it's moving in the other direction. So they'll hammer right into the opposite direction. And then that one starts losing money. I had a guy who had 
in, in the time it took to put 10 five-minute bars on the screen, he had managed to do 160 trades. That's revenge trading. That's somebody who goes in there and just can't take it anymore and says, I've got to go and, and just get even with this market. The market's not going to teach me. I'm going to teach the market. And that story, you know, that's got a beginning and an end and a bunch of stuff in the middle that, you know, I don't think anybody is ever going to like. We've got, you know, a propensity to hold trades to try to get a home run out of them. And that's, again, that's investor versus trader. An investor's hope would be to never close a position, to sit on a position for an indefinite amount of time because eventually you're hoping that you're going to grab some sort of a top before the, the whole thing reverses. Are you going to time the cyclicality of the markets? That's not trading. So trading is all about can we get in and time the order flow correctly so that we get in front of the opportunity to catch what the market makers are doing, what the market's uh, drivers are doing, and just sort of ride their coattails to a, a profitable exit point versus somebody who's trying you know, to, to get every possible dollar out of a trade. So there's a term called maximum favorable excursion. Um, I'm sure you guys have heard this before, right? The MFE is how far would the trade have taken me if I would have stayed with it? And that's a way that a lot of people actually report results, unfortunately. So our results are always entry, stop, target. There's two money management rules on the plan trades that we do. And the way that we report the results of the plan trades is just, did it hit the entry price? If yes, did it hit the target? Did it hit the stop effectively? That's how we're measuring whether or not we were successful with the trade or whether or not the trading plan was successful. So what we want to see is what was our performance vis-a-vis -vis the plan that we had established the night before. Because like I said, on the plan trades, it's not something that we want to make decisions on first thing in the morning. We just want to go program them, send them out there and set them free because we're not great at decision making at 630 in the morning. And then the other thing that you'll see people do is when they do make mistakes, they go and they want to police themselves or they want to sort of punish themselves and they'll reduce position size. And I think that it's okay to reduce position size after a loss if your position size was too big. And if you can follow the logic here, my thinking is if you're reducing the sizing because you went and increased your sizing for some reason to a level that you weren't comfortable with, to a psychological threshold that didn't make sense for you, there was more risk on the table than you're really willing to accept, that's a good reason to drop it down. That's a good reason to reduce it. What's not good is, let's say, your trader John. And John trades 100 shares on every single trade. And he's been doing this for a while. And then he takes a loss and he starts beating himself up over it. I did something wrong. He just doesn't like taking losses. So he says, well, you know what? Next time I'm going to leave the trade alone. But next time I'm taking the position size down by half. I'm going to do 50 shares. It could be any size, right? It could be 500 down to 200. It could be 1,000 down to 500. Whatever it is, is, is arbitrary. The important thing is the logic of why you're reducing your position size doesn't make sense. And then what winds up happening is inevitably on the next go around, the trade is profitable and now John's only got 50 shares or John's only got 250 shares or whatever it is he's trading now. And now he blames himself again, right? There's another psychological discomfort. Now he's beating himself up once again, putting himself in the position of being a passive psychological failure instead of having the courage of his convictions. And this stuff stacks up and when it does, you become part of the statistic. You become one of the people who has a really hard time ever making money at this. So, you know, with that said, take a look. I'm just going to pop this picture up here of, of a boot camp, of the guys at the boot camp. And take a look around the table. And what I'm going to tell you is there's a farmer sitting there. There's an attorney sitting here. There's a guy who owned a chemical company. There's a guy who was in the cement business. There are people here from every walk of life, lots of engineers. Engineers tend to love my stuff because of the, the technical part of it and because they love to try to tweak it, even though I tell them, don't try to tweak it, just try to learn it and figure out if it works for you the way it is. They love to tinker and see if they can't make a model better. If they can make it work better than it did in the original model, then they're feeling pretty good about life because it's, it's what they do. It's just how they're wired. But 
As you look around the group of people, those are individuals who bring psychological baggage to the table. Everybody has it. We all have it. Everybody's bringing something from their past to, to the table every time they place a trade. I remember exactly how hard my dad worked for the living that, that he made for us. He, he just was constantly tired. He worked hard. He just really, really had to go and make a conscious effort to put himself out there every day and, and be as exhausted as a human being could be all the time. That's a very admirable thing. And it puts your head in a very specific place when it comes to your relationship with money. Oh, I remember exactly what he did to earn a dollar. You know, it's that kind of thing that goes on inside of us. Other people come at this from, you know, a family of gamblers. I've got people whose, you know, families, you know, made money in Las Vegas, made money playing blackjack and will insist that, you know, that was a great, a great way to live. It, it just all factors in. And when you look around that table, got a bunch of people there who have become successful traders. Most of them, everybody comes back to boot camp. So after they go to their first one, they can go to as many as they'd like. And I'm going to say most of our guys, I've got people who have been to, we've been doing them since 2010. And we've got guys at that table who have been to almost every single one of them because they said they always learn something. They always learn something about themselves when they do this in addition to learning something about strategy. And that's the important takeaway. The important thing in trading is, are you going to be comfortable doing the thing that you intend to do? And then is that comfort level going to help facilitate success? And can you avoid then all these things on this list of things that are so challenging for people and you know are the strategies that you're going to be using or attempting to use are they going to be capable of helping you overcome what you're in front of and to to prosper and to thrive with it or is it going to be something that's problematic for you so those are all things to think about those are those are things to focus on in your own psychology and focus on when you're thinking about what it is that you want to learn and how it is that you want to do things. So we have a system of trading that we use that is very, very focused on workflow. So part of our life is devoted to, we work with the opening bell. So at the opening bell, what are we going to do? We're going to have things that are automated. We're going to have a uh, strategy behind that. There's going to be a discipline behind that. There is a psychology involved in every one of these things that, that we do. And it all facilitates our success because it's put together in a way that makes sense for us. So I trade Apple at the opening bell every day. I trade opening gaps at the opening bell every day. Everything is put together in a way that we understand what the workflow is going to be. So in the pre-market, I'm putting together program trades. I've got something I call fastball XRV. That's a program trade based on institutional order flow the previous day. It goes and handicaps what's likely to happen around the open with uh, a list of particular stocks. And we load those up and we put them into our automation for execution. We have the around the horn trades. Those are New York Stock Exchange trades. Those are also pre-programmed. Then at the opening bell, we go through and execute the NASDAQ opening trade. So that would be Apple. So we go and we analyze what's happening in the pre-market with Apple. What's going on? Is there reason to believe that options market makers are going to need to hedge bets once the market opens? If they are, then we know there's likely to be some buying going on and that we've got a really good opportunity to capitalize on the order flow imbalances right around the open. After the first five minutes of the market, we've got our 2SD opening gap strategy that I call Baltimore Chop, where we go through and we look at things that are mathematically 95% of the time going to revert to an average volatility level. So again, it's another, it's another setup that we're very, very comfortable trading. And in that case, you know, we're comfortable doing it on the fly as it's handed to us by our scanner. And then after the first hour, we all sit here and just monitor the automated NYSE trades and set up to trade these triple Qs based on order flow trading. So it seems like a handful, but what it does for me is it affords me the opportunity to see to it that I've got myself in front of 
a workflow that makes sense for me and allows me to go in and capitalize on what's happening in the markets. So that's not typically the case for the way that a lot of, uh, a lot of traders are going to try to, uh, try to enter and exit the market. So, you know, the other thing here is you've got workflow set up. So you saw the, the monitors behind me, obviously you see the, the uh, sort of room that we trade in here. The way this thing is set up is that each section of my workflow is compartmentalized. So I've got the automated trades are set up on these monitors that are normally off to, you know, to my left. Right now they're behind me. And that's because I don't have to sit on those. I don't have to really watch those for uh, active trading decisions. They're just there to make sure that the executions happen the way that they should have and that things are going the way that we need them to go. Then on the center screens behind me here again, I would normally be facing them. I've got my triple Qs and uh, uh, NQ stuff set up. And then above that, I've got Apple for the opening trade. And then off to the right here, I've got the opening gaps. And what it does for me is it makes for not stressful trading. So it enables me to go through and look at this stuff and have a very, very logical progression of things that I'm going to be doing in the morning. And it's like, I know what my job is, right? I know how to get there and be in front of these things. And, you know, when we look at that workflow and, and how it all comes together, if, if we look at the, the method here, the strategy is all about, we know what to do on the, on the open. We know what we're going to do with the 2SD opening gaps. We know what we're going to do with the super cap volatility bands. I'm not going to talk about those today here, but that's also very similar to this thing that we are looking at. And once everything is rolling, you know, what I have is a discipline that allows me to just plan the trade and make decisions based on objective criteria that are based on prior price action. So everything is price action driven. Everything's based on support and resistance. So I've got stops and targets that are based on whether or not we're coming into a support area, whether or not we're coming into a resistance area, right? Are we long? Are we short? In either case, we know why we're getting in. We know where we're getting out for a stop and we know where we're going to get out for a profit. Along the way, we've got money management rules that are totally objective. So on the around the horn plan, everything is based on if we get into the trade, 50% of the distance to the target, the stop goes to break even. 10 cents to the target, the stop goes to the 50% level. At the target, the trade is exited. And there's similar rules for everything that we do. So there's just a set of rules that tells us ahead of time, this is how we're gonna trade the plan. This is what we're gonna do once we're in front of the opportunity, here's how we're going to deal with whatever the market throws at us. We're gonna enter at the planned level. We're not going and cherry picking trades during the day. We're not second guessing what we had on the plan. We're not tinkering with things. We know that our job is to very robotically go and execute what our rules tell us we should be doing. We just try to stay disciplined over the course of the day and we control our slippage. So all the orders that we use are based on stop limits. So when we enter the market, it's always with a bracket order. It's with a stop limit order. The stop is the activation price. The limit is the worst price that we're willing to accept. That gets us in. And then the exits are profit is a limit order. Loss is a market order. We just want to get out at the stop loss and we want to get out precisely at the profit objective. So that's how we control slippage on the, on the trades. And that goes and follows through for everything that we do over the course of the session, we're just trying to automate as much of it as we possibly can, including the money management. You don't want to sit there and try to figure out whether or not it's time to tinker with a stop. You want your rules in place and you want to be objective in how those rules get applied to what you're doing. So once we're sort of letting the rest of this stuff loose and things are, are going, then, you know, the next thing that we have to look at is our psychology, our mindset. And these, I'm going to give some cursory attention here since we just talked about this a minute ago. But number one is going to be your relationship with money. Number two is going to be your ability to follow through on what you say you're going to do. And number three here is going to be your comfort level with risk. Those three things, if you would like to take a test and just sort of see on a, on a quantitative scale, where you are on each one of those things, you can send an email to me at adrian at traderinsight.com 
and I'll send you a link and you can take our little psychology, our trader psychology profile. It's really good at identifying this stuff. Sometimes it just tells you what you already know, but a lot of times it puts you in a position to discover a little something about yourself. But these are the things that go and determine whether or not you're going to have success sort of at your core, those top three things. And then number four, your ability to deal with boredom, that's going to be a biggie in your ability to keep yourself out of trouble. Bored traders get into a mess real quick. So sometimes people love to talk psychology. Other times people love to talk strategy. Sometimes they like to talk about both. I don't find that frequently to be the case. The, the reality is people like to hear about ideas on how to make money in the markets. And I'm going to go through a strategy that I use and I'm going to show you some of the dynamics that are involved in, in setting up to capitalize on the opportunity. I'm also going to show you a short video from today where I go through with my guys and in a live stream that we do for people who have been through uh, the particular training that goes along with the, the QQQ and NQ trades, where we go through and sort of dissect it and say, well, here's where the opportunities are going forward and then how that plays out. But everything that we do, especially in discretionary trading, is focused on identifying institutional order flow. So order flow traders, if, if that's where your head's at already, you're, you're a step ahead of the game. And if the word order flow or the words order flow are mysterious to you or, or nerve wracking or whatever, then just try to wrap your head around. It's just a matter of following the footsteps of money and trying to figure out where the inflections are going to be over the course of the day vis-a-vis -vis the trend. So you want to know that you're on the right side of a trending market. You want to know that you're on the right side of a flat market. You want to know when it's time to look for a trend reversal versus whether you just want to follow the trend. There's a lot of dynamics involved in how it is that you can figure out where, where the market's about to go. And a lot of that has to do with, is the market severely overextended? Is the market pulled, you know, has it pulled back to FIB levels? Where is the relationship to the volume weighted average price? We're going to talk about all that stuff. But what's important when you're looking at it is, are you analyzing things in a vacuum? Because if you are, it's going to be a problem. So if, if you're looking at a, a chart and you're just trying to figure out what's the relationship of the current price to the VWAP, you've got an idea of where the market might go. If you're looking at it and saying, well, it's pulling back and it's pulling back to a, a Fibonacci level or it's pulling back to a floor trader pivot level, you've also got an idea. If you're, you're looking at, is it two standard deviations of volatility extension? Is it a, is it a uh, um, you know, you, you can go through and is it a two standard deviation price excursion? Is, is any of this stuff happening? Those give you a very, one-dimensional look at what might be happening in the market. Whereas I like to focus on this idea of confluence. And confluence is just telling you, are you getting in front of something that is giving you multiple indications or are you trying to go through and cherry pick something probably because you're bored? So what I like to do is figure out where I think the confluence levels are confluence of indications, where do I see them coming together, and then plan entries and exits around those levels and give myself lots and lots of time to go and execute those trades. This is just all about the discipline. Are you able to go and execute things per your discipline? And the way that you're going to figure this out is, are you confirming opportunities? Are you using conditional orders and bracket orders, or are you finding yourself scrambling trying to get into positions? Is there a trade that has allowable slippage on screen or are you chasing? And is price suddenly moving in another direction so you go and hammer 50 trades off trying to chase price up, trying to chase price down? These are all the things that go into whether or not you're going to be successful. And if you look at this, this is, this is a handful, but you can see what I'm talking about. So this is actually this is actually a course that we've got on a uh, Black Friday special too. So we just did a live version in Las Vegas, which was sort of the theory behind it. And then everybody came to Miami Beach. And after the boot camp, we did a drill down on some live trading. So there's like six hours of videos and, and a hundred page book that go with it. And it goes through and focuses on how do you interpret all this stuff on the screen. 
And for me, the day is really about trying to figure out whether or not I see things happening in that bottom chart um, that indicate I should be looking at something happening in the chart on the bottom right. So the bottom left is the first place that I look. The bottom right is the next place that I look. The dotted lines are support and resistance lines. The orange lines are anchored VWAPs, so volume weighted average price anchored by time. So what I'm looking at is trend VWAPs there. And then I'm looking at what's the relationship to this hierarchical cluster analysis of volume that I've got out on the y-axis and if all those things are making sense. If I see that there's resistance because there was an important price threshold, if I see that I've got a natural support and resistance line that confirms volume by price threshold that I see, if I see that all these pieces of the puzzle are coming together, then I look at the top chart and I say, well, what's happening in terms of on a big trend day like this, are we getting into a fib retracement that would indicate that I should look for a continuation move to the downside? Am I getting into, on the bottom right chart, am I getting into an extension move that's getting me down two standard deviations away in terms of, I believe that one is in price, uh, so that you can do with Bollinger Bands, just two SD of price. It's a little different the way that I calculate it, but it's pretty, pretty darn close. And does that give me the opportunity for a continuation move lower? So if price would move up from that bottom band and get into, say, the, the black line there at, at 351.64 on that particular day, would that get me then into a floor trader pivot where I was looking for a reversal move? And if it did, right, I just want to go and try to put the pieces of the puzzle together and have this thing make sense for me in terms of what it is that I'm expecting, what it is that I think the expectancy here is. The next thing is to drill down on each one of these charts. I wanna take a deep dive into everything that I've got on screen, and I wanna see what's the reality of what I see playing out in front of me. So as I said, I'll pull that bottom left screen up. Bottom left screen tells me a story. I pull up that top screen. That top screen's telling me a story. The top screen is focusing my attention on where the support and resistance is in comparison to a FIB study. So the FIB study is going through and taking the latest big swing move and telling me how likely is it that I'm going to see a retracement to one of those levels and that that retracement is going to be meaningful and send me in the direction that I think I'm going. And I think that what we should do now is take a quick look at today's setup. So these are, these are all, I see I'm running kind of short on time. These are all examples of what's been happening over the past couple of months. So these are these are setups that I put together and, and just captured and they were great for uh, giving an idea of what we're doing here. You can see that it's all about anticipating what's likely coming next. So what's going to happen next is what we're looking for and we're not trying to hop on the momentum. What we're trying to do is anticipate the inflections. So we're in the business of anticipating inflections around here, anticipating where order flow is gonna hit the tape. And once that order flow hits, what that's going to do in terms of a directional move in a market. Okay, so let's take a look right now at today. And this is a video that I did for the guys during the session. And they get these regularly as part of their training. And let's take a look at how something played out over the course of the session and how you could then go and take what I spoke about during the taping of it and take that and extend it and make it an even more profitable opportunity for you. Hey guys, Adrian here. Let's talk about what's going on in the market today. Low volume and big trend. So market is, you know, there's days the market moves and there's days the market is moved. And today is one of those is moved kind of days, I think. Um, the earlier strategy that we talked about in terms of looking for the reversal back down into uh, central tendency and back down into the central pivot has been unfolding rather nicely. So I'd like to take a look at that. And if we can, let's see if we can come up with a strategy for the final hour. Let's take a look at the charts. So we see them. You've got a market that has been relatively unrelenting over the course of the day. We've had nice geometric moves higher. You know, all this stuff has been 
very much in line with the geometry that we expect from an orderly market, even though the volume, the volume on the, the daily chart here shows you know, we're way off in terms of what we would expect for the session. But that being said, there's strategy to be had. So earlier we talked about this move here and the retracement that was likely uh, once we hit that pivot line. So we had every reason in the world to think that we might get an inflection move lower. We're out at the uh, second resistance pivot. And when that does in fact then become the extreme of the move, then the big move lower that we were looking for was down to the 618 retracement. And um, you know that one came together really nicely. So to get down to 389.95 was pretty, um, pretty much in the cards. So we had a bunch of stuff working on our favor there. We had the anchored VWAP, the anchored VWAP of that prior big move. That was going to be a magnet. We had the session VWAP, also a magnet. We had all of this prior volume by price data here, also a magnet. So lots and lots of things just sort of calling price back down into that range. In terms of what we're expecting to see for the rest of the session, it's going to be a little trickier. So now we're at the 618. So we, we got all the way down into that 389.92 area. That is uh, the 618 retracement of our big move. That move right there from the central pivot up to the second resistance. And now that that's in place, I think you've got one of two things that's going to happen. Either we're going to get a shot down at the central pivot. So that would be a logical target if you're trailing a stop up above uh, this current target. So I don't know. You know, everybody's uh, profit stops are, are a very subjective thing. So you just have to sort of debate this one for yourself. You know, where do I want to put a profit stop? How much do I want to try to extend this thing? The thing to keep in mind is it's got to get down through this level of support and resistance in order to start breaking uh, into this range. And we've also got that uh, 389.67 level that it's going to have to get through. I think it can do it. I also think there is a possibility that we're going to get a pull back up into... Uh, first resistance as that is where our moving average is. So remember when you're out two standard deviations, your 95% confidence interval says that you're going to get a reversion, right? 95% confidence of the mean and uh, this guy right here, our mean. And so there's a good reason to expect that we're going to move back toward that number. That doesn't mean we're going to go and hit that number. What we're saying is we're 95% confident that it's going to move, make a move back up excuse me, from two standard deviations towards the measure of central tendency. Once we make a move back to the central uh, or to the, the one standard deviation level, now things have shifted again, right? So now we're no longer 95% confident. Now we're closer to, you know, anywhere in this range here where this arrow is, you know, we're, we're in the 70s to mid 60s confident that we're going to get a move back up into here again. So that confidence interval is going to shift. The likelihood of the reversion is going to shift. And as this mean starts moving lower, we've got a higher and higher probability that this two standard deviation line is going to move lower. That happens, right? The closer it gets to that uh, central pivot, the higher the probability that we're going to get down into this stuff right here. So we had a bunch of volume by price data sitting right there. We've got a pretty much downward trending market now, even in light of the fact that we're up on the day and that we're up from uh, the open rather significantly. I think for the time being, let's focus on this move back down into the range and see if we can capitalize on either a straight shot down to that pivot or a reversion move that gets us out with a profit stop and then you know, gets us up into this pivot line for another reversal lower. All right, so that's it. That's my game plan for the final hour. And um, you know, hopefully this is gonna play out the way that the rest of the day played out. It's been pretty predictable if, uh, if only on low volume. So. Good trading. It's uh, been a good day so far. All right. Well, with that said, uh, welcome back. I assume everybody's going to be back full force tomorrow. Didn't see many of you today, but that's, that's to be expected. It's a Monday after holiday weekend. A lot of people are still traveling. A lot of people still trying to just get home. But uh, if you are traveling, safe travels. And uh, hopefully we're going to see you tomorrow. Bright and early. Uh, profitable trading. These triple Qs. Have a so how did that all turn out? Obviously, you're looking at a chart after the markets have closed now of what happened, what actually happened versus what we were anticipating have happened. And you can see we had this very you know clear move to the top and then we had this move back down again. And earlier in the session what I had talked to guys about was this right here which is a setup that I call a double header. 
in the international version of my books. I call it a kings and queens. We're all familiar with that pattern, railroad cars, you know, whatever you want to call them. But that's a big indication of a reversal. And when it happens right around a pivot line like this one up here, then it really tells you that you've got a higher level of confidence that the reversal is going to hold primarily because of the reaction to the pivot. You had a very quick snapback reaction, give you the opportunity to put a stop in place, keep things tight. And once we made the move down and got in below this pivot line, then what we saw was we were putting together a move that the earlier FIB study that we had on the top chart here would have said um, that we were reversing a trend higher. And what we were looking for now was an extension move that would get us down as low as the 618 retracement, which is actually where that 390.07 level was from today. And as this came back down from here, you could easily be kicking yourself pretty hard if you missed this part of the trade. Fortunately, people were able to capture some of these things today. It was not so difficult to get in front of it. The market was trading very geometrically. That makes for sort of an easier time a lot of times to capture these things. But once we were down below, we had said, let's wait and see if we get a move back up into that 390.37 level or thereabout, 390.34, 390.30, whatever, right? It's, it's, I think people are sometimes too precise with where the entry threshold has to be. And then see if we could catch an extension to the downside. And that extension we were looking for was back down into the central pivot. You heard me talking about the, the move down to the pivot in the video, in the, in the strategy session, and you know, wouldn't it be great if we could catch a move that got us all the way down to here, and then look what happens. It goes and extends all the way down to here. Now that usually results in a lot of coulda, woulda, shoulda from my guys. They want to capture every penny. They want to capture that maximum favorable excursion. They don't want to hear about it. They don't want to talk about it. They want to do it. And the fact of the matter is your best anticipation of where price was going when it was coming down here was back to this fulcrum, back to the central pivot for the day. Once it moved down, you can see that all that geometry that we were talking about in the video came to play again. So if you guys were at Las Vegas, if you were at Miami, then what you should have done right out of the gate was when you saw this thing come down into here, you recognized the trend reversal was not only in place, but that it was time to go peak to trough with a new FIB study and anticipate where price was likely to move once it inflected and started dragging higher again. And the most likely place to get a reversal move lower is at the 50% retracement. And that 50% retracement overlapped with this level of support and resistance and with this anchored VWAP and gave us a very good picture of what we thought might happen next. And then we saw that it was coming up on two standard deviations above the current price, which would indicate that we were looking for a mean reversion. So everything fell into place and we had a trade that was making sense from this level lower, from this level lower, and from this level back down again. And those things put you in front of the opportunity for profit without trying to hop on momentum, without trying to go and gamble, without trying to put yourself in front of a bunch of risk that you're not going to want to accept anyways, and without having to go and kick yourself after the trade was over because you didn't know why you did what you did. So the gist here is to go and take the market and take snapshots of all these things in the context, and I keep them all on separate charts because there is no reason to have things on a single chart. If you put all this stuff on one chart, you've got a bunch of lines splayed all over your screen, and you're probably not going to be able to tell what it is that you should be doing, let alone what's going to be profitable because it's going to give you a bunch of contraindications. It's going to give you a bunch of moves that it suggests could happen. What this does is puts you in front of the best opportunities for profit by giving you a way to go and assess what's going on in the big picture. Okay, so over the course of the session, opportunity for profit multiple times. Did we miss something early in the session? Yeah, that's okay. Because if, if none of these pullbacks were significant enough to get us up to here, then it's time to sit on our hands and wait for the opportunity to come to us. We don't ever want to force ourselves in front of what we think might be an opportunity. We want to get in front of the best opportunities and just keep the focus on 
the thing that's the thing that is verifiable, the thing that we can go through and objectively evaluate later. What that does is puts us in a position to be much stronger traders overall. So as I said, we do those kind of things multiple times over the course of the day. I would love to have you join us. You can get for free. You can see some of what it is that we do. This is the information that we put out there for the guys who have been through the training. TraderInsight.com forward slash live stream. I'll send you an update during the day. You have to enter a phone number that you can get a text message at. This is not something that can go out via email. It would be too late. You would miss them. What happens is you just get one text message that says, here's Adrian's live stream. It's coming up in 10 minutes. And then you log on by tapping on the link. And in the first text message that you receive, I think you have to say yes or start or something. It tells you what to say. Uh, what to reply in order to get all the text messages. So you can you can come and you can log on and you can watch these things and see how it is that they play out. I know you'll like it if you're there. It's that exact kind of logic that we just went through with the live trades from today. And it's just more of it, right? So it's more content and it's more information. It's a couple times over the course of the session that you're looking at the market and trying to figure out what's going on. If you would like to take the training that I talked about for this particular type of strategy, we have just had a Black Friday Cyber Monday special that I'm told uh, we're going to extend until the first. And what that's all about is you get a big discount on the live seminar recordings of the Q's, Diamond Spiders, ES, NQ. You get all the live intraday information and you get live intraday trading alerts. So there's an alert service. You get that for six months included with this thing. It is a bunch of training. It's a hundred page manual that goes with it as well. I think the whole thing, including all the alert services and everything is on sale for 1900 bucks. That's half off. And it gives you the option to do it all in four payments as well. So that's at traderinsight.com forward slash Friday. And that offer will be up there until the 1st of December. If you want to take us up on the offer, by all means, you know, we'd be happy to have you on board. If you'd like to talk to us first, discuss whether or not this is the right thing for you, whether it fits your psychology, all that, go read about it. Go read about the strategies and how they, how they play out and how it is that we teach you to use them. And then feel free to give us a buzz. So you can call us directly at 310 383-8138. That's actually Julie's cell phone, so don't call in the middle of the night, but she'll be happy to uh, you know, grab the call and put you on with me if, if I'm not already talking to somebody else. And um, you can also send an email. And then if you want, what you can do is you can talk to alumni or talk to people who've been through the training and sort of see how, how is it that they're using it in their trading business and does it sound like something that would be of interest to you. I always want everything to be a good fit. Always want everything to work for everybody as best it possibly can. All right, so that's it. That's using intermarket analysis to time futures trading using the ETFs. That is the strategy that I've been focused on midday and into the closing bell every day. I hope that it made sense to you and I hope that you'll at the very least use the intraday service, the, the free video to take a look at the markets with us and see if this is something that's of interest to you. All right. Thanks for joining me, folks. And I will see everybody, I'm sure, again at a live event very, very soon. Take care.